Thank you once again, O great King. We invite your presence. We invite your glory. And we give you the stage. Step into this terrain and reign. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we'll start with, you may be seated. God bless you. So most of the morning sessions will be for capacity building. Uh, the evening sessions will be more moments where we will demonstrate the spirit of God and bring blessings to the people of God uh, that are in attendance and those that are participating online. Anywhere you are viewing from, please, you are part of the conference and we trust that your package will be delivered to you in Jesus' mighty name. It's quite wonderful seeing friends from all over the world come together for this conference. Turn your Bible with me to the book of um, Ephesians chapter 6. If you need a topic for what I'm sharing, then it will be the house of David must rise. The house of David. must rise. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning from verse 10, um, it's needful for us to understand that a lot of instruction was meted out before verse 10. And there are certain critical things that Paul wanted to draw our attention to before the final address, which is in verse number 10. Now, if I have time during the course of the conference, I will take us on a journey to see the things that Paul said before he arrived at verse 10 and said, finally, my brethren. Many times we overlook those things and those instructions that he gave before he arrived at finally. However, for the purpose of this morning session, we will jump all those things and pick items from his final note in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. The book of Ephesians is um, a stream, it's a mega stream that is drawn from uh, the book of Psalms 1 verse 1. The Bible says, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. From the book of Ephesians chapter 1, you will see that a blessed man has three basic postures. He has a sitting posture, he has a standing posture, and he has a walking posture. Are you still with me? I said, are you with me? Yes. All right, so these three postures are captured in the description of a blessed man. When you go to the book of Ephesians, you are going to see in Ephesians chapter 2, the, the scriptures captures the believer within the context of his new nationality and within the domain of the possibilities that are attributed to that new status that he has attained on the account of his union with Christ Jesus. 
Philippians, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2 sees a believer seated in the heavenly places, making heaven our true nationality. And then we are manifested on earth as ambassadors. Now, you guys are sitting down. Hallelujah. Do you realize that because you are sitting down, your weight is borne by the seat that you are sitting upon? You see, so your legs are free of stress. Your legs are free of pressure. So that, that's the picture that Ephesians chapter 2 is trying to paint to us. That you have come into a system that has the capacity to bear your weight. But you see, these spiritual metaphors are set in place in order for us to understand the working principle that is within the domain and come to a point where we can trust the system. Because the fact that you just heard me say that the system within the scope of the new creation reality has the capacity to bear your weight. That's strategic information. But it should lead you to an organic experience of being able to trust the systems that God has put in place in order for your weight to be adequately born then you begin your journey in the spirit. Surprisingly, our journey in the spirit begins from sitting. You see, when you give birth to a little child, the child sits first, then the child crawls, then the child stands before the child begins to walk. So in the natural, we have sit, stand, walk. But in the supernatural, we have sit, walk, stand. So in sitting, are you there? Just trying to give you a background for the book of Ephesians so that you understand the thought, you understand concepts. And then when we enter into the nitty-gritty, you'll be able to relate with the beauty and the skill of delivery that was in the ministry of Apostle Paul. And I trust that as we see the sequence of divine revelation each and every one of us will experience an upgrade in the name of jesus christ so you see the bible reveals that god raised us and he took us into the heavenlies and he sat with us in the very seat that jesus is sitting right now administering the purposes of God. If I take this my handkerchief and I put it in my diary and I take my diary to Glasgow, where would the handkerchief be? In Glasgow. He goes anywhere the diary will go. And that's what God did by an act of his authority. What he did was that he included us in Christ so that when Christ Jesus died, you died. When Christ Jesus rose from the dead, you rose from the dead. When Christ Jesus ascended into the heavenlies, you also ascended with him when he was given a designation as an administrator and given a seat to operate from. As joint heads, the Bible reveals that we are domiciled in that very position that Jesus is because we were included in him by an act of God's authority. If you look into the past, the only logical, theological past that you have is when 
God backdated you to the cross, which was the place where he included you in him. Hallelujah. If Satan takes the things that you worry about to the court of heaven, he will not be able to secure judgment against you because your history is the cross. That's where your launching pad begins. And the next thing that God did was that he brought you into the heavenlies and had you sit in Zion. So all the weight of your destiny will not be borne by your little logic. There is a system that is available to carry you on. The extent of victory you enjoy will be determined by the degree of understanding and application and compliance of this matter that we are talking about. Are you still with me? All right. Number two, before we read, and I'm going to stick to time. So, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, another verb is used, which is walk. And the concept of walk is drawn from the fact that we are citizens of heaven, but yet ambassadors upon the face of the earth. God has appointed you as a high commissioner in your own jurisdiction so that you can represent the interests of heaven. So if you are going to walk, your walking must be consistent with the nation of your nationality. And the walk that we are talking about here is a walk of holiness that is made possible through the workings and the administration of the cross of Jesus Christ. It is possible for you to profess that you are a Christian, you are a child of God, but your life is a complete contradiction to what you profess because it is not consistent with the culture of Zion. And so in our walking, we walk worthy of our calling. And walking worthy of our calling means we are fully aware of the fact that we derive from Zion and our lifestyle, our conduct, our character is consistent with the nation of our nationality. If you are still with me, say amen. So the book of Ephesians gives us a very solid route into the doctrine of holiness and how essential it is for us to colonize territories. And finally, it takes us to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 where the standing takes place. So our sitting talks about embracing the realities that is built into our current state of affairs which is a heavenliness and the support system of the spirit of God is available to ensure that we are not swallowed up by the symptoms of the flesh the symptoms of this world not swallowed up by Satan not swallowed up by the age but we function by the spirit who is the personality that educates us about a new nation of nationality when that begins to take place then we'll begin to walk worthy of our calling as ambassadors upon the face of the earth 
and in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 it gives us the modus operandi of how we are expected to operate just in case we're coming to head-on collision with the devil so Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 it is finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might there are two things that Apostle Paul is calling us to be strong in first of all he says what be strong in the Lord Jesus what's the meaning of that be strong in the power that is resident in his might I don't know, but you know, my elder brother, my immediate elder brother is a giant. He's big. He has mighty biceps. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how it happened, but I was small. And, amen. And I was a very terrible troublemaker. I could cause things. I could do all kinds of stuff. And uh, when people want to take on me, well, I just run to that, my brother. Then he, he does his chest like this. So my strength is in him he said be strong not in yourself you can't do much harsh or you you are like me <laughs> be strong but in the law that's where you draw your strength that's where you draw your complex from that's where you draw your your sense of being from when you find a believer that has not yet found security in jesus christ he's a wreck because when, when, when the index of inflation changes, his mood will change. When the weather changes, oh man. He has not found his security. And so the scripture is saying, be thou strong in the Lord. And be thou strong in the power that is resident in his might. If you are not strong, you see, he didn't say he didn't the scriptures didn't say okay you know um you have access to the lord you have access to the power of his mind indeed you do but he said let it not just be access let it not just be a potential make sure you take advantage of what it means of what is available be thou strong in the lord and be thou strong in the power that is in his mind how i wish i had time to take you to the book of second corinthians chapter 3 begin from verse 17 and then i will now show you that in current in current stands should we do that second corinthians we'll come back here oh my god your time is uh, this was pastor henry give us time give us time okay give us time we need time Second Corinthians chapter 3, 17. This is, it's an update. Second Corinthians 3, 17 is an update. Just uh, showing you the new scope of things. Hallelujah. Even uh, the updates, the uh, applications on my phone, Google publishes updates regularly to provide some more dexterity on the app and to make it conform to the requirements of software production in
current, you know, currently. So updates are published. So this scripture is an update, and it is possible for you to be running on a civilization that doesn't capture this update. But the reason why I'm here is because the Bible says, be strong in the Lord. Right? In uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, the Bible says, now, it's an update. Not before, but now. What exactly does he mean by now? Because if you follow the progression of revelation that is in the scripture, you will find that what he meant by now in that scripture means in resurrection, in this season where Jesus has resurrected. I know you people don't do so much of agriculture because what I see are trains and buses on, on your streets. We do agriculture. So we plant things and we eat from them. And I can tell you this for free, that if you get a grain of rice and you cast it to the ground, when it germinates, it doesn't look like what it was before it was casted down. There's a change in configuration. There's a change in what it becomes. And it might be difficult for you to realize that it's the same grain that produced that in germination. And that's why Paul wants to give us this update. He said, now, within the context of resurrection, the Lord Jesus that you used to know has become that spirit. Now, this is the situation. Now. Are you there? So if you are going to encounter the Lord, you, are, you will find him locked up in the spirit. That's the situation now. And the Bible says that everywhere the spirit of God is found, what he does is that he creates access. The word liberty is ancient English, which means access. So if the spirit of God is available, it gives you access to Jesus because Jesus is locked up in him. Jesus can only be seen. Jesus can only express himself through the spirit. And so this is an update. And you need this update to know how to navigate in the waters of the New Testament. So if the Bible says be strong in the Lord, first of all, the Lord is in the spirit. It's only through the spirit of God that you can have access to the Lord. Are you there? His will, his way, his grace... His power is administered by the Spirit. And that's the reason for which Paul had to give the update in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord is that Spirit. Be strong in the Lord. If you look at the weapons, the armor of God, right? Oh my God, you are not still with me. There are some parts of the armor that you put on. There are some parts of the armor that you take. And that's why he asked us to be strong in two things. Because there are two categories of this armor. Some are dependent on the things that Jesus paid for. Some are dependent on things that Jesus prayed for. Are you there? 
if you are going to walk in victory you need to understand two things most believers run with one the the first one is the finished works of jesus the implication the currency that has been generated on the account of the sacrifice of jesus that currency has accumulated to become a spiritual fact and anybody that knows that spiritual fact can can exercise his faith and appropriate what a spiritual fact is in the realm of the spirit because the spiritual fact is currency that is a result of spiritual prizes that were paid to satisfy the claims of divine justice so with faith you can enter into the economy of spiritual facts oh my this my class is not here oh stay with me stay with me stay with me now for instance jesus happens to be the baptizer in the holy spirit second fact as we speak now jesus is exalted in the heavenlies he has been exalted glorified second fact now are you there in the old testament there was a time israel went to war and as long as the hand of moses was exalted joshua that was in the valley began to defeat and discomfit the enemy are you there it's the same thing now jesus is glorified his hands are lifted it means the holy spirit must win down here are you are you following so it is a spiritual fact that jesus is exalted as we speak and because jesus is exalted the holy spirit can be poured out the the explanation that peter gave on the day of pentecost for the release of the spirit is that right now jesus in the heavens has been coronated has been exalted so the spirit of god can now be released that's a spiritual fact any day any time you come to the realization of the fact that there is a possibility for you to receive the release of the spirit because jesus is exalted that spiritual fact can become true in your life you get that so when the bible says be thou strong in the law it means that there are several things that jesus paid for that have become spiritual facts and those things exist in the realm of the spirit but you need to connect by faith and you are likely to be shortchanged just in case you do not know those spiritual facts and it is not because god did not make provision for you it is because you decided not to be strong in the law so you see some of the weapons you need to put them on put on see the act of putting something on is different from the act of taking something some you would take because it is it is already flowing in a stream you see the finished works of Jesus represent first aspect of our victory then the current works of the holy spirit represent second aspect of our victory these are the two things you need to combine in order for you to be victorious always the spirit of god is flowing with virtue like a stream and you will need to know how to sense the spirit so that you can take there are some things you need to take it is available it's flowing but it's a current work of the holy spirit if you don't take it if you don't take it, it will not be God's fault that you are in your condition because he made it available, but you were not strong in the power 
that is resident in his might. And that was why you failed in battle. This man is teaching us standing. The first lecture is be strong in the Lord. First lecture is be strong in the power that is in his might. So there are two things he's calling us to do. If you are strong in the Lord, it means that through faith you are taking advantage of spiritual facts. So that the currency that is available in the spirit can be available to you, can be used to prosecute issues in your life. Second fact is, if you are strong in the Holy Spirit, strong in the power that is resident in his mind, it means that you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know what is handing out to you. These are things that happen at the spur of the moment when Satan decides to stand to contradict the counsel of God that is written over your life. He calls us to a place of strength. You see, the Bible says, they grow from strength to strength in Zion. Everyone that appears before the Lord. The game I'm talking about here is a game of strength. But this strength that we are talking about is not strength that comes from you, but is being strong in taking advantage of what is available. Because our warfare is a different type of warfare. You are not trying to establish victory but you are taking advantage of what God makes available to maintain victory. Jesus has established the victory. You are not fighting a fresh battle. You don't even have what it takes, the stature to prosecute a fresh, a fresh battle. It took the monarch himself to set the record straight and to sacrifice so that currency will be available for you to draw upon just in case there'll be a need for you to maintain the victory you still with me good so he, he, he invites us to be strong in the lord he invites us to be strong in the power that is resident in his might Are you with me then he says Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the wiles. The word there is wiles. The battle that Satan wages is not a function of brute strength, it's a function of wiles. That means Satan invests heavily in deception wires deception he he can't stand you face to face on the field of battle so his own kind of battle expedition is a function of wires methodia it's from methodia that we have the word methods so it's something that is in, rooted in methods, rooted in strategies, rooted in deception, rooted in logic. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the wiles. 
of the devil. Then he makes a statement which is my emphasis. So we have opened a lot of things and I've not explained so many things. The reason is because that's not my emphasis for the time. We have not, I've not told you the items of currency that exist in the realm of the spirit for which you can exercise your, your faith to draw upon and prosecute battles within your space. Have you read the book of Isaiah chapter 53? The Bible says he was wounded for our transgression. That's currency. He was bruised for what? He has value in the realm of the spirit. The chastisement of our peace. You're not with me. If you wound somebody, blood will come out. If you bruise somebody, blood, little blood is likely to come out. If you chastise somebody, so there were payments that were made. It translated to currency. It has value, spiritual value in the realm of the spirit. You can draw on this value if you know for, of a truth that those spiritual facts exist. I've not gone there to itemize. I might do that if the Lord permits. But for now, he says I should go to verse number 12. He said, for we wrestle. This is education. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That is my emphasis for the moment. In trying to coach us on the subject of spiritual warfare, Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, what somebody is hearing and what somebody thinks that Paul is saying is that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood at all. And I came to tell you it's not so. We wrestle. <laughs> no. We, okay, okay, you don't believe me. Is it Paul that wrote First Corinthians? Is it he, Paul that wrote First Corinthians? He said, Paul. Okay, let me show you. We wrestle not. First Corinthians chapter 9. Are you there? Verse 24. I want you to turn. First Corinthians 9, 24, quickly. As we I'm attempting to lay the foundation for the journey. 24 says. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. It is possible for you just to be running, but not with a view to obtaining. So if you intend to run and obtain, you are going to change your game. I remember those days in Nigerian universities, there is something called National University Games Association, NUGA. And um, there are two universities in the city that I stay in. And the guy that was, the Taekwondo guys that were in the other university, um, the champion had eaten pounded yam and so, many, so much meat that he was no longer eligible for the category he normally wins so he came back from break fat and when they put him on the scale he could no longer field for 
that category because of his weight. He had exceeded the weight. And the squad, the Taekwondo squad on that campus doesn't have a replacement for him. He's just the best. So what the coach did was that the coach decided to put him on dry fasting for seven days. Not dry fasting to go for a crusade, but dry fasting so that he can participate lawfully in a context with a view of obtaining. Nobody ever told that guy that if he was going to strive for the mastery, fasting will be required. Yeah, so he went on seven days dry fasting. He came out lean. The stomach, the stomach busted and became flat again. And when they put him on the scale, he was able to fit into the category. Just at the last mark of the category rating, he made it. Meanwhile, on my own campus, the guy that, that does Taekwondo, most like this, everywhere. So when they had the competition, that guy that fasted broke his leg. He, 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 he defeated him and wanted to leave a, a mark on him. So he broke this leg. When the guy came back from the POP, you know what? Plaster of Paris, now white stuff. He stopped, he stopped, he stopped working like this. He never knew. <laughs> May the Lord help us in the day. <laughs> he was not told that if you are going to strive for the mastery, there are rules of engagement. Verse 25. 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So the, the law of mastery is temperance. Oh, if you are going to develop your spirit, it will affect your sleep. I know you were not told. Just like that guy was not told that if he wants to participate in, in Taekwondo, he will need to fast for seven days. He was not told. But if the game, if what you are trying to achieve is mastery, it will cost you temperance, temperance in all things. Temperance, it will affect your eating. It will affect your sleeping. It will affect your sex life as a married man, as a married woman. It will affect everything. In order for you to pedestal your spirit as the organ that is ahead then everything else will suffer. Are you with me? He that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. Therefore, so I run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body under. I bring it into subjection. That sounds like him fighting with his own flesh and blood. You know, someone here thinks that when Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, he, he, he meant we do not wrestle with flesh and blood at all. What he actually meant was that if you have not, if you are still wrestling with flesh and blood and you have not mastered it, you will not be a good candidate for spiritual warfare because Satan is going to exploit the appetite of your flesh and blood that you have not disciplined. And he will bring you into captivity. I know you don't like. This is, this, this is your master's class, you see. 
is not for people that are looking for bread. I need to tell you, we need to mature. He <laughs> didn't say you will not have challenges with flesh and blood. He said, if you are stuck and you have not been able to subject it, it means you are not good for spiritual warfare. We will not put you in the front lines. You are going to be a victim. Satan will exploit every appetite. He will advertise in order to entice your heart with all the products of loss that exist in his archives. Just in case there is... Are you with me? Um, if your television is, is Samsung, an LG remote control will not be able to manipulate it. All right, so Satan doesn't know you're lost. So what he does is that he brings his products, brings pounds, then he passes, and there was no compatibility. So, okay, pounds is not his own thing. He brings a damsel, a white one. <laughs> then he, he sees that your, your, your legs start shaking. So ah, this product. The moment he finds that, it means he has found your remote control and he can change your channel. Mm, may the Lord give you understanding. <laughs> so anyone that has not yet understood that if we are striving for mastery, we will need to be temperate. We will need to, to be moderate in the use of any appetite whatsoever so that that appetite does not become a snare that Satan will exploit. I saw a lady the other day, she must have beans by 4 p.m. In fact, she just, one day she was working on her computer and it was 4.30 and she had not had beans. So she just remembered, she said, ah, beans, beans. She won't go far. Mm, because Satan has plantations of beans. So she's hooked on it. That appetite is so developed that she's a slave to it. She's not yet ready to engage because she has not passed the test of temperance. Everyone that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. It's going to affect your sleep. I'm wondering how much sleep I got last night. Hallelujah. Wondering. Because you are looking for the Holy Ghost. And he's not, he's not concerned about the fact that you are tired. The spirit is very jealous. I need to tell you that. Every spirit is high in jealousy. He wants to possess you all by himself. He wants to have you to himself forever. So you... you have attended to so many things that you felt were important and now you have come. So he will do guy. You are praying and you are weak and you are saying ba 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 ba. He will, he will not attend to you until he sees that there is a determination to, to journey beyond the weariness because there is something precious that he has that you need to align with. That's how you become strong in the power that is in how many of you are ready to put the pain behind so that you can journey into the power that is resident in his might? That's the culture. That's the mindset of a man that can wage war with unseen entities and stop their agenda and put their plans to naught. 
They say, so I run. I do not run as one that is uncertain. I fight. I'm not fighting as one that beats the air. But how do I do it? I beat my body. I put my body in subjection. So that when I preach to others, I myself will not be swayed by the wiles of the enemy. I will not become a victim by the tricks of darkness. So every warrior must come to that point where he, he masters the art of temperance in all things. Are you still with me? All right, let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 5, quickly. And I don't need to tell you my own experience how I was trying to master temperance. I studied the Bible and I found out that what made the people in Scripture great was not because of anything natural, but because the great Holy Spirit was able to find expression in their vessel. I found out that there was, there's a book in the Bible called the Acts of the Apostles because the apostles acted under the influence of the Holy Ghost. That is to say that if we act under the influence of the Holy Ghost today, that book lives on. The book continues. The pages continue. And indeed, major highlights of that book will be documented in our generation. So I said, all right, the first thing that I need in order for me to find compatibility with the Holy Spirit is that I need to generate the operation of Christ. That means there must be a deliberate, intentional culture of exercising my spirit in prayer. Because God is going to be as close to you, you're going to be as conscious to God as you are willing to keep the operation of Christ in vitality. So I knew that a lot was connected to, play, to prayer. And I was told by some older Christians that if you put stones in your pocket when you are weary in the night, that if you want to sleep, you press on something, and then the stones will prick you, and then you wake up and you get yourself back. Makose, mama, mama, kose. Kore, makose, sasiko, mokore. Then I realized how strong the flesh was because it, 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 the flesh released the technology of how to sleep with stones conveniently. <laughs> mm. I beat my body. If you are still in the fight and you have not yet achieved subjection, Satan will sway you because he doesn't have power. He has wires. Are you there? Galatians 5. So let me show you the ancient war. The ancient war is in Galatians chapter 5 um, from verse 16. Okay. Verse 16 gives us a charge. The this I said then, walk in the spirit. So, can you underline walk? Walk in the spirit. This is supposed to be our preoccupation. This is supposed to be our lifestyle. Walk in the spirit. Are you there? I need to explain that to you. He said, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust. So, there are two options of what you are doing. You are either walking in the spirit or 
fulfilling the loss of the flesh. Walking in the spirit of fulfilling the lust of the flesh. These are two concurrent realities. So, but the prescription is that you walk in the spirit and, and you are going to have to deny the flesh. You are going to have to paralyze the flesh. You are going to have to ignore the promptings of the flesh. And that's the first layer of warfare. Because you know what? The flesh is to Satan what the spirit is to God, what your human spirit is to God. Your human spirit is the infrastructure that has the capacity to connect at God's frequency, at God's, at God's level. The talmac where God will land, just in case it comes into your space, is your spirit. The Bible says that the time has come and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit. It is your spirit that has the capacity to contact the spirit of God. So your spirit is the infrastructure that knows the Holy Ghost, that can communicate with the Holy Spirit, that can touch the Holy Spirit, that can receive from the Holy Spirit. And the flesh is the infrastructure that gives Satan a platform for expression. The flesh is preloaded. I will explain what I mean by that. It will give you a lot of understanding. Uh, Paul says, I beat my body. I put it under subjection. I am not under the control of my flesh. I am under the control of the spirit. That's my default mode. And my motivation to do this is that I don't want to be a preacher to preach to others and get them to see the light. And I myself become a castaway. So that's my motivation. It is possible for me that is a harbinger of light to end up being disapproved before Jesus, my master. And in order for that not to happen, I put my flesh under subjection. All right, so it's either you're walking in the spirit or you are fulfilling the lust of the flesh. There are two options. Uh, then verse number 17 says, for the flesh lusted against the spirit. That is, the flesh is jealous of the spirit and the spirit is also jealous of the flesh and the object of their jealousy is your compliance these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would it may be that god wants you to do some things and you you might be restrained from doing what god wants you to do just in case you decide to find compatibility with the flesh The Bible says if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The, the law of God is fulfilled in the Spirit. So every time you operate by the Spirit, you are operating rightly with respect to the laws of God, whether you know it or not. At that level, you are in adequate, full compliance, full alignment, full expression. So the flesh is going to haunt you. Now, are you there? I want to give you something quickly. Uh, verse 19 says, For the works of the flesh are manifest. Can you underline works? 
I said you should underline walk. I said you should underline what? Fulfill. Now, you may need to underline walks of the flesh. And then in verse 22, you will see, but the fruit of the Spirit. So we have walk, we have fulfill, then we have walks, then we have fruits. Can you put them in their categories? So walk in the Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Then fulfilling the lust of the flesh will produce walks of the flesh. The flesh is preloaded. And what I mean by that is whenever you yield to the flesh, just in case you are a scholar of the book of Romans chapter 5, whenever you yield to the flesh, I need to tell you what you are manifesting. It is Adam that you are manifesting. The fallen man. Adam. Anytime you yield to the flesh, you fulfill the desire of the flesh, it produces predetermined works. It's preloaded. And all the shades and colors of Adam will begin to find expression. And there's a long list of works, possible works that are in that list. Anytime you see it, find expression. It is Adam that is at work. And the reason why you are manifesting like Adam is because you have decided to side with the infrastructure that gives the devil a platform. And what he's reproducing in your life is Adam. So when you decide to walk in the spirit, you are bearing the fruit of Christ that is domiciled in your human spirit. So there are two personalities here that are seeking to find expression through your vessel. So the first challenge and the first sphere of war is your compliance to spirit life. I accept that my real personality is the personality of Christ that is domiciled in my spirit. So when the flesh begins to advertise the possibility of me reviving Adam, I must reject Adam so that I can live out Christ as fruit from my spirit. So we can actually know if you are compliant because there are external evidences that will prove what you have yielded yourself to manifest. The spirit is preloaded. It is a fruit of Christ that is in your spirit. The flesh is preloaded. It is Adam. So, so the devil knows the people that can challenge him. We went somewhere and uh, the demon began to speak. And one of my friends rushed to cast out the devil. And the devil said, shut up. You can't cast me out. Hey! We, were, we were drawn apart. And the, 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 the demon was about to bring some revelation. The, my friend said, I shut up. It became complicated. So some of his escapades as Adam came out in the open. And he said, you shut up there, you are a liar. But we knew. We knew that those utterances did not just come up. And so after the whole escapade, I, I called him. I told him, I said, 
there are quite some revelations. <coughs> oh my God. Meanwhile, I've seen so many demons speak out. One in South Africa say, I'm the spirit in the river of Zimbabwe. After the spirit took time to introduce himself, I cast him out. <laughs> Walk in the spirit. Oh, you have left me. Walk in the spirit. That's the call. Walk in the spirit. And you're going to, in order for you to do so, you need to be deliberate about shutting down the flesh with so much consistency until it's subdued every day. That's the first way of the warrior. That's the first way. If you're going to be a weapon that God will use to reorganize territory. To make demands for the release of things that Satan has taken, stolen from your family for generations. You will need to go through this drill. Hallelujah. Once upon a time, I, Anna, Anna had a tummy. So I, Anna, I was talking to an expert, a gym expert. What can we do to collapse this? And there was a... <laughs> Was, there was a set of exercises. That's all right. So I got on the treadmill. Ah, because I've not done it for a long time. It was as if I was dying. Let me tell you the truth. In subduing the flesh, it feels like dying. And that's why sometimes God helps you by putting you in situations that you cannot change. Because He knows you, you will run away. So it puts you in a very terrible spot. You, you, you lack funds. You lack, you're just there. He's trying to help you go to the spiritual gym that will pedestal your spirit as the organ that is ahead. And I yielded. As I yielded, in three weeks' time, I got flat again here. Because I noticed a, a point came when fasting will not reduce it. Because in fasting, in terms of fasting, we, we've, we've perfected it with time. Nobody likes it. It doesn't come natural to anybody. But when you begin to do it, your body will adjust to accommodate that. The fact that, yes, you fast, so you accommodate. If you insist, the flesh will give way so that Christ that is domiciled in your spirit can be made manifest. That's the first war you must fight. In order for you to qualify to take on principalities, to take on powers, to take on the rulers of darkness that are domiciled in London, you will need to beat your body and put it under subjection. If you are still with me, say amen. When you notice that every lady that passes, you must look. It means your, your eyes have their own way. You are telling the eye, don't look, but the eye will move. You know what you need? You need three days of dry fasting. The eyes will come back. The binocular vision you will be in control of it. Mm. I am telling you this because I, this, I know that clinic. Oh. Three days, the eyes will become yours again. If, if, if you notice that if people don't recognize you, they don't notice you, 
that you feel bad. It means they are willing to sponsor ego as a very prime aspect of your existence. It's not sustainable. So to cut that out, eh, that one is seven days. Have, do you realize that if you find a talkative that must talk, talk in the night, talk 12 midnight, oh, oh, oh. you know what you do? Give them three days drive fast and the person will keep quiet. He said, I beat my body. <laughs> the person will, when you say, Harry, where are you? The person will say, So you are the one that is feeding the flesh. The day you decide to begin to starve it a little, you will see it's not that powerful. Begin to starve it. It's not that powerful. Begin to starve it. And then when you do that, when you do anything that disfigures the flesh, that takes authority away from the flesh, that same act is giving authority to your spirit. scriptures that no time hmm. okay let me end with second Samuel chapter 3 second Samuel chapter 3 second Samuel chapter 3 from verse number 1 it says now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. So the house of Saul is an example, is a metaphor for the reign of the flesh. The house of David is a metaphor for the reign of the spirit. It is the house of David that is supposed to work strong and strong and yet stronger. But you see, what you must understand is that the house of Saul is in power. It's already in power. They have the infrastructure. They have the funding. They have everything. Because before you gave your life to Christ, you were summed up in the flesh. So you have explored the flesh and given it authority for so long. And now you want to plot a coup so that the flesh will lose the place of authority and that the spirit will now gain the place of authority. I hope you know it's not going to be easy because the flesh is already fortified. It's already entrenched and established. Now you want to dethrone that flesh and you want to establish the reign of the spirit. That's why I told you the title of my presentation is The House of David Must Rise. Any office. The House of David Must Rise. I remember when I began to press on in the spirit. Press on in the spirit. Everybody around me felt I was a strange guy. But I didn't mind being a strange guy. Pressed on in the spirit. I pressed on in the spirit. People felt it was there a sin I had committed for which I was praying so long. Whether they misunderstood me, I kept pressing on in the spirit. A time came when I started hearing the voice of God faintly, sparingly. Do you know that those short sentences I heard 
is what enabled my navigation until this day. God can give you a short sentence. You might even think you know the meaning. But it takes on a new meaning in the next five years. It takes on another new meaning in seven years' time. That short sentence is loaded. You see, when a spirit speaks, it, it, originally the utterance did not come in English language. It's the understanding of it that came in English language. It, it, God can say, the Bible can say, Don't share the Lord! And for a thousand years, that word finds relevance under different circumstances, different situations, different individuals. So if God can speak, the shelf life of that word can travel for, for one decade, just one short sentence. Then I found out that God does not speak much. He doesn't need to speak much. Because in one word that he has given, he has seven interpretations in seven different seasons. Oh, then I found out, because I wanted God to be talking every day. God does, help me tell your neighbor, God does not speak much. He only answers much. So you are going to be the one that will initiate the process of discussion. And you can be doing that initiation for three years and he's still watching. People that are not educated will now get discouraged and say, ah, for three years I've been trying. He didn't show up. It means you don't know how precious what you are looking for is. I started a fast in January of 2002. And I began to pray. Began to fast. Began to pray. Seeking the voice of God. I just finished university education. And there's a program we do in, uh, in Nigeria. When you are done with um, your university education, you spend one year serving your nation under a scheme, NYSC. You can be posted to any part of the nation to serve. So that was a moment I decided to set aside to seek God, to gain direction to everything. So I began to fast. General, he didn't show up. February, March, April. June, July. By August, I was already asleep as an AIDS victim. Those were the days when there was so much noise about HIV. So people were saying, Are you? In fact, my mother, who is a nurse, came, came to me and said, Have you, do you have a girlfriend? I said, you have not seen, you have not known me yet till now. She didn't understand. She thought, she, you know, when they studied nursing for some years, they are always saying something. Kept pressing. Kept pressing. Kept pressing. It, they, in August, it was in September. I guess, I guess in August, I just came back from work. Fasting. Dropped my back. And I wanted to go for prayer. And a bean was in my room. And I bumped on a bean. That was where I met that angel. There were four of them. I said, okay, Lord, if you are the one that sent these people, let, let them put their hand on my head. Let me feel heat on my head. They now put their hand on my head. There was heat. Say, Lord, don't be, don't be offended. Eh? This heat can come by probability. Can you move the heat to here? Let me feel the heat. They moved their hand, they put it in. Then it became hot. I said, 
you know we need, you are the one that said we should test all things and hold fast to that which is good move this heat to the leg they now they now held my leg i said oh i'm sorry i'm sorry oh for asking so many questions that was how the lord introduced me to four angels and as i speak to you one of them has come here it was in that wilderness i broke through then god began to teach me spiritual language introduce me to spiritual beings i now started understanding spiritual science transmissions i will never pray for the sick until i get the sign that he should be shown you know a sign what what a sign is a signboard points to something else apart from itself so it points to the fact that there is an anointing at work and i know the anointing then i found out that this education this education he gave me was was what the bible calls the the excellency of the knowledge that is in christ is it's not something you can get from oxford you can't get it from cambridge if you have that knowledge it means that there was a time in your life that you insisted that you will have nothing else but god then I found out that there was more excitement in the Holy Ghost than in Champions League. He will come into my room. If you lock me up in the room for three days, don't tell me so. If you open up after three days, the first thing that will happen if I greet you, good morning, you will fall down first. That's the first thing that will happen to you. A new life, a life that I cannot describe, open. Then I realized this is the life that God offers every believer but because of the flesh we are caged we are kept in fetters we have kept on that chase we are kept in barricades and we do not enter into the fullness of that which god is offering us those that were ordained by god to be princes they walk on foot the flesh wants to keep you in the prison house he wants you to manifest your least potential and, and celebrate and testify about it Meanwhile, you were ordained by God to be a prince of power that will bring renovation and bring and colonize the terrain. Mm. I began to grow in this knowledge and I was always looking for when I finish work, come back home and, and stand before God. It's my greatest pride, my greatest desire. You couldn't get me angry. I won't be angry with you because that issue for which you want to make me angry is trivia. I found the Christ. I found the Son of the Living God. Oh, you come and you insult me. I will not even answer. It, 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 I didn't hear it. You are too trivial to be a concern to me. I found the King. Oh, he began to give me access to his chamber, to the secret things that are in his pavilion. Then I knew that there was something, a knowledge that was deeper than the chemistry that I read. I liked things that challenged the mind. So I felt, I, I love chemistry because it was complex. I like complex things. I like solving puzzles. But when I entered into this avenue, I saw that God could manifest differently every day for a thousand years. And there was, the day you say you have known him, that day you lost it. Was too deep, too vast. 
time came, I realized that there was nothing left to fear. Nothing left to fear. You say, oh, you take a gun and say, you want to kill me? Oh. You know, during COVID, I was teaching and policemen came with handcuffs. Said they're coming to pick the pastor. Hello! I still finished that message. I finished it. When I finished it, then we went out to see. The, the guy with handcuffs was doing like this. <laughs> Guess what? The next day I was here on the pulpit. The person that called to report called the guy and said, that man has come. The police will say, are you not tired? <laughs> the the madman has come again. Ah, if you have seen what I've seen, you'll know there's nothing left of you. I, I'm not one of them that will retreat. I'm not one of them that will surrender. I've seen the great power of God. And every moment became a learning process. That was when God began to teach me about the anointing he wanted to give. That was the real school he wanted me to attend. Things began to open up. Understanding. Things that I could never have learned. Things that cannot be taught. I saw them. The presence of God. Then I knew that it was not by power. It was not by might. It was by the spirit of the living God. See, the angel I'm talking about has come with a vase of oil. There's an oil, an oil vase. And that angel will soon begin to anoint me. For I see heaven open. I see a bright light coming out. First of all, there is a sister. And this sister is sitting towards this, this direction. Sitting towards this direction. Sitting towards this direction. And the light from heaven is beaming. You see, so many things have been stolen from that sister. So many things were taken away from her. It's gifted by God. But she suffered. Can you bring, bring her? Bring her for me. Bring her. She suffered for so long. But today God wants to restore. He wants to restore. I'm telling you the truth. I am not the best. I just came to testify to you. Maybe there are people in this room that have the ordination from God to be higher in the order of this priesthood. Yes. Because he's the one that ordains. It is your own level of faithfulness and compliance that will determine your reward before him. But there is no law anywhere that any of you cannot be more anointed than I am. Because you cannot receive anything except it be given to you from heaven. Oh, I see Kobele Samalante is He comes with a jar of oil. A jar. A jar of oil. A jar of oil. A jar of oil. You see, there is a lady here, and um, you started exercising your spirit not too long. You started doing the prayer routines and all of the spiritual disciplines. You started getting acquainted with um, our procedure of discipleship, and your spirit is opening. I can see that you are called to be a prophet. In fact, a seer. That you see things in the spirit. And when you pray, when you pray, you begin to see how God is answering your prayer. You see, he comes. He comes. His presence comes. His presence comes with so much strength. 
grace upon your life in the name of Jesus. Grace upon your life. Grace upon you. My copeli skufelama braske folaska iskopantolia premina halabukoli. The angels began to visit me. There is one of them that the fourth one. When that one comes, that one comes with a screen, opens a screen. Then I begin to see the future. That was how I knew. I didn't know I had an international ministry. That city you met me, I was willing to live and die there. And then God said, no, your journeys will take you yonder. It was by that screen. <laughs> there is a knowledge that is more excellent than anything you know now. And God wants to show you great and mighty things that you can never imagine. The time for half measures and talk is over. The kingdom of God is about to rise through the vessels of men to the vessels of women. All kinds of things will begin to change because God is set to visit the United Kingdom. He said, You will find our white brothers, prophets among them, mighty men and women of God. Oh, they will invade the white community. And you will begin to see that the things that are taking over the civilization of this territory will suffer loss on the account of their rising. God is set. God is set. The Holy Ghost is set. The Holy Ghost is set. He said, He said, A little one shall become a thousand. He said, A small one shall become a strong nation out of what god is doing in your spirit he will begin to heal nations in the earth in the name of jesus Christ. put on your strength put on your strength put on your strength be strong in the law and in the power that is resident in his might put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand I lay me do if I lay mama mama I lay le lo si rimale su me ko baba mama Saileli mokombalami Yesu selamoma Saileli kabinamo isekole mana I see three cloven tongues of fire there are three evangelists in this auditorium and the fire of God will descend upon you. You have a message for this generation. You have a message for this generation. God will quicken you. He will quicken you. He will quicken you. Yeah, mamu. Ali malesi kabobu abalame sanama. <laughs> 